welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Nancy. And my name is Matthew. And together, my brother and I like to talk about movies we've watched growing up together. And this week, we really needed to laugh. We, we wanted some comedy, a couple great comedies to watch. So later in the program, I'm going to talk about one of the quintessential Gen X comedies ever, um, Office Space. But Matt is going to get us started with the phenomenal 1980 airplane. So I think for those of you who have never seen the movie Airplane, um, you probably should not be listening to this podcast. (laughs) Because, (laughs) Because really, I mean, we spoil everything. Airplane is a comedy. It is by the comedy team of Abrams and the Zucker Brothers, who have done a number of comedies in the same vein of... A lot of them are, like, themed on spoofing another movie, and there's a lot of, like, visual humor. There's a lot of, like twisting of words and pun kind of dad humor in in these in these jokes and there are conversations with certain family members that we know that where if we did not enjoy or understand the humor in this movie we would never have conversations with this fa- with these <laughs> family members because yeah. it is right in line with our family vernacular, Mm -hmm. I think, in so many ways. This movie stars... It stars Robert Hayes as Ted Stryker, a a former war fighter pilot with a drinking problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Julie Haggerty, who plays Elaine, the flight attendant, but in in these days, this movie came out in in, uh, 1980... So they were still stewardesses then. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not as bad as Gung Ho, but there is, some, there is some humor in this that is not necessarily politically correct these days. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> this movie is kind of a... a the, the inspiration, the inspirational movie that they based this... That they kind of took from this is the movie Airport that came out years earlier. And they just turned it into kind of a comedy. And there's like a romance. There's a romance element, and there. But basically, the crux of the movie is they're on a flight, and whoever eats fish gets sick, <laughs> which includes all of the flight crew except for two flight attendants, and they need. Ted Stryker, who is afraid to fly now because he's he has PTSD from the war, mm-hmm. to land the plane. And <laughs> I'm pretty much going to leave it at that. Yeah, that's, because, that's the basic plot. Because hilarity ensues from lots of typical 70s and 80s kind of humor from topless women to wordplay and potty humor 
but done in the most sophisticated way that I can appreciate. <laughs> oh yeah. Cuz I'm cuz I'm not like Mr. I'm not a huge fan of toilet humor when it comes to like things like dumb and dumber yeah. or um blazing saddles or anything like that. Like that kind of humor doesn't uh doesn't entertain me as much. But there's something about this movie which is probably one of the first, like, real comedy, like, films that was more of adult, but we saw as kids, and we just thought it was amazing. Matt, this movie set the bar for me for what a comedy should be, which is why I think I'm really picky about comedies. Like, the bar was set so high at such a young age, and, like, you're, you're right. I mean, it was definitely the most adult movie we'd probably seen that was a comedy at that time, but... Man, is this movie funny. It, I, mean, I was it, laughing the whole rewatch today. Yeah. I mean, and and it's funny is because there's things that... This is another one of those those comedies, too, where, like, when you're, a, when you're a kid, like, you get some of the very obvious jokes, but when you're an adult and you watch it, there's so many things oh, that yeah. you're, you know, that you just don't get. And... I just, it just made me, it, after the time that we've had in the last, you know, week or so, the last year even, getting to sit and watch this movie was definitely, um, it was nice. It was, it was nice. It was nice being able to just let, like, laugh and, and I mean, they're so creative with the humor that is so subtle in so many ways to where like you have to even look in the background at what's going on when a conversation is happening between two uh, main characters. If you're looking like in the background, you're like, what the fuck is going on back why, there? And why that is, is there so hilarious. many jars of mayonnaise at the Mayo Clinic? <laughs> <laughs> or, or, um, just, yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and i think that getting to getting to enjoy the humor in this movie is i mean obviously it's very popular yeah. it's you know lots of people think it's funny blah 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 but when you can remember that you know you picked the wrong year of 2020 to stop sniffing glue or, (laughs) you know, and and just little things like that. It's just, I was just, it's such a great movie. Well, well, I've kept saying the last, the last week and a half, you know, I picked the wrong year to start this new habit because, you know, there was an insurrection and that, or an attempted insurrection. And it's like shaking me up. It was like, I was like six days into trying to build good new habits and, Oh man, all that's out out the window right now. And, but right. I mean, it was very much the I, I picked the wrong year to start or stop doing this. I yeah. I I would I want to have a I want to have a conversation about what the type of humor in this movie is because I'm not sure if we're gonna agree on this, but my opinion of the kind of humor, which again, like I said, set the bar for me at such a young age, it's very like absurd and silly and things are taken so literally that it's not exactly sarcasm. It's right. It's just this incredibly literal play on words. 
Um, well, and, and then and, just the, and yes. then just the exaggeration yes. and absolute absurdity of things. I mean, the fact when Stryker is having flashbacks to the war, he's having World War Two flashbacks. Oh, and the Wright brothers, like first planes, like, I mean, like stuff just, like that. You know, or or you know the fact that Elaine is showing um, the the women that they were visiting on the Peace Corps, she was selling them Tupperware. I yes, mean, yes, all these little things like that. Little things, it just. Ugh. Or 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 when um, everyone's getting sick, and the doctor is like. We have to get the we have to get these patients the these people to the hospital. The hospital? What is it? It's a big building f- with sick people in it. But that's not important right now. <laughs> I don't know how Leslie Nielsen was ever able to get through a take and not die laughing. I mean, is he the funniest person in the movie? Leslie Nielsen? Yeah, he's pretty funny. But I I don't know. I love Lloyd Bridges in this. Lloyd Bridges is so good. And, and, um, you know, I think that, you know, Leslie Nielsen was in a show called Police Squad that, um, kind of started this whole kind of thing. And then he did, you know, this movie and went on to do all the Naked Gun movies and a bunch of other movies in the similar vein with the same kind of humor and everything. And, um, it's uh, so much of it is in the delivery. Yes. <laughs> so it, you can't just watch it and it's not like you can't always expect what is going to happen to be funny because it's all in it's all in the in the delivery. Yeah. So I don't know. I just um I just really enjoyed rewatching it. Um, recently there was an episode of a drama that we, that I know that you and I both watched called This Is Us. And in this episode, one of the characters, Kate, talks about how in the family they used to always watch the movie Airplane. And there's a scene in the movie, in the show where she's at like this really like crazy abusive boyfriend's house and she puts on airplane to watch on TV and he's like, ugh, I guess we'll watch this. And she's like laughing the whole time and he just isn't laughing and just doesn't get it. And at that point she's kind of like clued in like this guy's a piece of shit and I, we are not supposed to be together. And when we were watching and when I was rewatching it today with my wife, you know, she had said to my wife said to me like, you know, that, in that episode, it's so right. Like, this is a movie I, I should put on. And, like, if someone... I was on a date and we were watching this movie and someone didn't laugh at it the same way I do, I knew that relationship was just not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> because it, cause it has to be... You know, it's very telling. You know, if you understand the humor in this, you can kind of understand where people's how people's brains work almost, yeah. <laughs> you know, as far as understanding humor. It's just, I don't know. I almost want to meet someone that doesn't think this movie is funny because I don't, I mean, so here, here's the deal. Like there's, you know, there's the best of every kind of movie category. And I think mm-hmm. in general, even if someone isn't very fond of a specific type of movie genre, if you're watching the best of that genre, you should still enjoy it. And I kind of feel like Airplane represents silly comedies in that regard. 
You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like if someone was to just randomly walk in and watch it and, you know, and maybe, maybe it would seem like a foreign experience for some people now because obviously this is 20 something years before nine eleven. So airports mm-hmm. are run a little differently and airlines are, yes. all that's very different, but, yes. um, no, I think, um, I think like categorically, this is one of the funniest movies that's ever been made. Well, and to your point, the bar for us seeing this as a kid, you know, was kind of set high in a sense that we just, it was like, this was the bar that we had that, that comedies had to reach for us. And, um, there are a lot of great comedies out there that we both enjoy, but there's something about this humor and, and everything that just really stands out and kind of defines certain things. I mean, this is this is definitely a movie that we watched as kids that I would quote and other kids were like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure there was lots of movies like that that where I would quote something and people would be like, huh, I don't I don't get it. You're just some weirdo person. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I don't know. Maybe it's just like you have to be of a certain age or seeing this at a certain time or just know certain groups of people. But I don't know. There is something about this movie that just, it's, it's kind of part of our DNA in a way. Well, I mean, even the way it starts. It's part of our, our comedy DNA. Well, so, okay. So it came out in 80. You were just like a year old at that time. I have a feeling we probably saw it when like, when you were maybe, I mean, you were maybe like three or four when we saw it for the first time. I mean, well, and I had to be, I had to have seen it because we had HBO or something like that. Yeah, and 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 then it was on, you know, oh, cable all television all, all the time. time. So, and and that's the other thing too. It's like I remembered some jokes more than others because they were probably edited out. Sure, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I think that this movie set us up to like probably our one of our second favorite comedies of our childhood which is better off dead i feel like yeah a similar no, vein, very similar you know i mean just that yeah. same kind of just absolute absurdity but yes. we both just we love it you know it just is yeah. and it's one of those things you can't really explain all the all the reasons why it's just right there um i did want to tease you about something though <laughs> so go you right know, ahead okay like, the whole story is about, like, Ted Stryker needing to be on this airplane to save the plane. Well... Yes. What, what, what was the impetus for him to rush onto the airplane? I mean, the fact that he was in love... Wanted to talk to Elaine and get his relationship back there like it was a rom-com? Yes. So do you think this... Has- but I think, I think that's what the movie <laughs> Airport is about. I think that's part of... I haven't seen Airport. Me either. But I think that that's part of the whole thing with Airport, is there's, like, this idea of this romance going yeah. on. Yeah. I wouldn't I act, I wouldn't say it's a rom-com. I think it's just a spoof, but I mean, all of the super sweeping romantic music and stuff that oh, comes up like, every time they talk, you know, he reminisces what, about the relationship. Or like the whole, like the scene on the beach, which is, I think from, from here to yeah. eternity yeah. and you know, just stuff like that. Yeah. So we're both in agreement. It's not a rom-com, right? No, it is a com. It's a com com. It's a com com. It's definitely not a rom com. It is a 
comedy of comedies. Now, um, now when you watch a movie that's this, like, in my, kind of in my opinion, like, a perfect comedy, really. Like, just truly one of the absolute best. Is there even a way to, like, pick a favorite character or a favorite singing? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. No, Lloyd Bridges is my favorite character. I love Lloyd Bridges in this. And he went on to do, um, like, there was another series of, so there's Airplane. And then there was Airplane 2, the sequel, which the Zucker brothers and Abrams had nothing to do with for Mm. whatever reason. But then there was a movie called Top Secret, which I love. But then there was another movie called Hot Shots Mm -hmm. with Charlie Sheen and Carrie Owens. And uh, Lloyd Bridges is in that as well. And he's, it's a similar kind of, kind of comedy. And, um, I don't know. It's Lloyd Bridges is definitely my favorite character. He has some of my favorite lines in the whole movie. And, um, he does it with such a straight face and he's so serious when he does it. And he's the one that does the whole pick the wrong time, pick the wrong week to quit smoking. And I talk, and Pick the wrong week to quit amphetamines, <laughs> just stuff like that. Do you have and, a favorite scene? Um, I agree. There are a lot of really, really good scenes. That's really it's really hard to pick because I think the one that I quoted the most, which is like this, besides the glue one, is Lloyd Bridges is looking at some like reports and there's like a guy that works on you know at the airport with him who's kind of goofy johnny and he johnny yes he goes johnny what do you make of this and he goes well i can make a hat or a brooch or a pterodactyl (laughs) (laughs) and that is what and and again that is one of those things where i would do that at school and people would be like what is wrong with you i'm sorry (laughs) I'm just, I, again, I guess you're right. It's like that silly goofiness yeah, it's that, great. you know, brings out. Um, but it, it's fun and harmless and, you yeah, know. Absolutely. Um, I did I did start doing extra credit and started watching the, the, the sequel. Where they Airplane. go to the sun? Well, they go, they're supposed to go to the moon. Oh. And they go to the... It's it, it and it's so bizarre. But it's not done by the, orega, the original people and... Mm. It gets kind of boring, and they they're just basically redoing a lot of the same jokes. And um, I remember watching it, but I don't really remember. No, no. I mean, William Shatner is in it, (laughs) and um, you know, it's 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 just not as good, but still entertaining. But yeah. Well, Ted Stryker is my favorite character, and he's key part of my favorite scene which is pretty early in the movie it's the dancing scene where he's telling where he's at the bar where he's telling the story of meeting Elaine for the first time I mean it just I love it so much I mean of course and it's spoofing Saturday Night Live uh, uh, no Saturday Night Night Fever excuse me Um, oh I love it so much I just and the Girl Scouts are fighting. Like, the Girl Scouts oh my won't God. stop fighting. And the Girl Scouts fighting is so good. And then, 
I love how after he starts telling these stories, like he starts telling these stories to random people on the plane about his love life and his history and everything like that, and then they always just end it with them killing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not funny, but um, yes, it's yeah. <laughs> one of the and one of the people who who does that is Lo Pan from Oh yeah, Big Trouble yep. in Little China. Yep. <laughs> so it's. It's well, so good. Well, Matt, this is a movie that if I happened to see it on, I would watch it at any point. Because really, it's not like you need to see the beginning of this movie to enjoy it. I mean, no. you could jump in and enjoy whatever jokes there are at that point, And it's just, it's fantastic. You know, you know what's funny is, so, you know, I'm rewatching this and I'm looking on IMDb at different things about this movie. And there's a person in this movie that I was like, holy shit, that is that guy. Do you remember Mike from Breaking Bad? Yeah. Oh, played yeah, by Jack Jonathan pointed, Banks. Jack pointed this out today. You, if once you hear his voice, it's totally him. But he has like hair and and, and it's just totally random. But I was like, holy shit, that is that is him. Yeah. He, he later he later was on a season of the sh- my one of my favorite shows, Community, as oh. um, as a teacher. And uh, when I saw that he was in this, I was like, holy shit, that is him. Oh, my God. Yeah. He, but, uh, he's, he's like, in the flight control tower or something, and he's yeah. getting mad as they're trying to land the plane. And... Yeah. We also, and besides Lloyd Bridges, you get great cameos from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who <laughs> has a, this wonderful scene with this kid who gets visited to the cockpit. Um, Peter Graves, yeah. who, is the, who is the captain um, Captain Over, <laughs> Over, and um, beside then Leslie Nielsen, Robert Stack, who yeah. you know is a very well known actor, but um, and then you get a you get a cameo from Barbara Billingsley, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Cleaver, in in probably the most um, politically incorrect scenes in the entire movie, but um. Yeah, it's so it's, hilarious. It's so hilarious. So yes, can't can't recommend this movie enough. Yeah. If you, but um, I guess I guess since you brought it up, um, if you listeners do not think this movie is funny, please let us know. <laughs> I'm curious to see who does not like this movie. <laughs> well, and if you don't like Airplane, please let us know what you think your what it, your favorite comedy is because this is again this set the bar for me and Matt at such a young age and really kind of paved the way for what we would find funny for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yes. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious and don't call me Shirley. That's right. <sighs> good stuff. So good. It's good, good stuff. St- well, and what I like about it is here this movie kind of laid the groundwork for so many Gen X kids for what they were going to find funny as adults. And then, you know, this other movie we're going to talk about, in my opinion, is like a quintessential Gen X angsty comedy that's, you know, different. It's not the same kind of, it's not the same kind of funny. It's not a laugh out loud every moment of the movie, like Airplane, but. No. But, um, so Nancy is going to get us started talking about the movie Office Space. Yeah. So Office Space came out in February 1999. 
starring Ron Livingston, Gary Cole, Jennifer Aniston, and Stephen Root. And, you know, it was at, you know, the, the crux of the story is that they all work at a, um, the guys all work at a computer, at a software company, and they're upgrading software for all these banks because of the Y2K fears that when the dates change, all of the dates are going to reset to like 1900 instead of 2000. And they just go through lines and lines of code all day. And um, Ron Livingston is playing uh, Peter Givens. And he's incredibly unhappy. He hates his life and is just really, really irritated with everything. Like being at work is the worst thing he can do, but, you know, he still just goes and shows up. Um, he's got kind of a bossy girlfriend that we only see very briefly, and she convinces him, you need to go see a, a hypnotist or a life coach. Hypnotherapist. Hypnotherapist. And luckily for him, in the middle of his hypnosis, uh, the therapist dies and never is able to snap him out of it. So there's almost like a, it's not exactly amnesia that he has. It's it's like other comedies where... Um, when someone just all of a sudden has this major change of personality, you know, because he all of a sudden just stopped worrying. He stopped caring exactly the way he kind of dreamed he could. And once he stopped caring, his life was getting a lot better. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he had been kind of complaining about his boss, you know, Gary Cole and his Mr. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. I'm going to need you to come in on Sunday. Just this really irritating dude, but hilarious. (laughs) And his two buddies, you know, um, I can't remember. Hold on. Samir and Michael Bolton. How do you not remember their names? No, no. I knew Michael Bolton. I couldn't remember Samir's first name. Samir. (laughs) Samir and Michael Bolton. Yes. Michael Bolton. Why should I have to change my name? It's just a no, 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 no. The line is, hey, your name's Michael Bolton. Are you related? No, it's just a coincidence. And then he hates his name, and he says, why should I change my name? He's the one that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime, <laughs> there, has been, there has been times where I have met or heard of other Matts or Matthews, and I've been like, why should I change my name? He's the one that sucks. <laughs> That's got it. That is one of my favorite lines in this Dude, entire movie. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. But, yeah, he, um, in, in Peter's kind of screw it all, you know, screw it all to hell kind of attitude, he ends up getting, like, promoted and just getting all these weird accolades, you know, all this, all these weird bonuses that, and he doesn't care. Like, he doesn't want to be there. He wants to, he's putting in the most minimal effort at this point in the movie. When his two buddies, like, they lose their job. And, you know, part of, part of the great thing about this movie is all of the frustration that they have, like with the office equipment, like the printers or the copiers or whatever. And one of my favorite scenes is them going out to a field with baseball bats and just beating the shit out of a printer because <laughs> what the fuck is PC letter load? Who the fuck? What? What? PC letter load? Uh, PC low letter. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah, it just, <laughs> I mean, it just 
so many silly, silly things. And, and then you have Jennifer Aniston getting to be this kind of surprise love interest for Peter. And I will also say this is not a romantic comedy. No. I mean, there is a romance in it, but it's, it's not for comedic purposes by any means. But, you know, some of her funny stuff involves, like, just the policing of her outfit at work and, you know, the amount of flair she is or isn't wearing. And, you know, you've got, you, you may be wearing the minimum amount, but is that all you want to be doing? Do you want to be expressing yourself more than just the minimum required? And, you know, I waitressed for a little while. Like, there was about six months of my college years where I waitressed. And I got to tell you, it was before this movie came out, but if I had been forced to have flair on while waitressing, I'm sure I would have had as much of an eye roll, eye roll feeling and experience that she did. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, this, this movie, I mean, this movie's had, like, a cult following. I mean, people, people really enjoy the office, you know, office space as well. And it's just, you know, those of us who've had office jobs for long parts of our career and get irritated and frustrated with just the monotony of bullshit <laughs> that happens at work. I mean, I think this movie kind of captures that well or having unrealistic bosses, or like he even says, and I think you and I have both experienced this at some points, you have, like, multiple bosses, so when you make a mistake, yeah. you hear about it from four or five different people. Yes. Well, um, I gotta tell you, Nance, I like about half this movie. Yeah. Because there's something that happens in this movie about a little more than halfway through, after... You know, they find out after Peter finds out that his friends are going to get laid off, they decide to try and rip off the company, you know, rip off one of the banks by exploiting a, yeah. a, a mathematical phenomenon that happens with money where they take the remainder and in, in, or the tiny little half cents and try and put it into an account. Like, as they point out, like it was what they tried to do in Superman 3. <laughs> and. You know, the most of the beginning of the movie is great because it is kind of a commentary on uh, office life. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, just from like when he walks in, looks like someone has a case of the Mondays. Oh fucking god! I don't know how many times I've heard that. And, you know, it's become a cliche, right? Yeah. That is where a lot of the great creative humor comes from, and then when they all kind of are like, okay we're going to go ahead and do this thing to kind of rip off the company or rip off, you know, take, you know, exploit this flaw. Mm-hmm. Um, they all agree not to tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they'll, they'll cover each other's asses. Right. And immediately Peter tells Joanna and starts feeling guilty about it. Then they find out that it's a very serious crime. And then they find and then when they finally look at the first weekend's worth of of, you know, their bank statement, they've now stolen over $300,000 and they realize how serious point. it is. It basically and then at that point it basically turns into you know what I'm going to say, George Costanza. The, the Costanza problem. Yeah. And I just uh, after I- that happens, I am full on just like yeah I can't I hate this movie I mean I really I mean not hate it but it becomes so cringeworthy and hard to watch for me from that point on that at least it pans out in a sense that 
someone ends up with the money that is well deserving. Yeah. <laughs> but um, just this whole idea, like I can do something really shitty and 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 you know almost screw over people, and then just happily circumstances work out where I get out of it. You know, it's a very it's like a whole the whole second half of the movie ends up being a Seinfeld episode. And yeah. It's I, just I, I don't I don't disagree it, with that at all, and I, it just kind of bothers I, me. I think the thing that the thing that for me, kind of maintains that second half of the movie is how the the new corporate managers come in and like they still are leaning on Peter for all of his great business advice or want him to. I think you, you were talking about the Bobs. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think what's interesting about like the second half of them. I mean, and I agree. There's other things that fall apart in the second half of the movie, like when. The whole mistaken identity of who did Joanna have an affair with? Was it was it his boss? Lumberg. You know, was Lumberg's horrible? Yeah, <laughs> was it his boss? And now I'm going to be mad at her over this, and it just that's very silly. And it's like, come on, dude, like you're ruining your relationship with Jennifer Aniston because you're not going to just ask her directly who this person was. So I get that, but I do think the stuff with the Bobs and them thinking that. You know, he's that Peter has this like almost like mystical knowledge of how to make a workspace better. And it's like you're asking the guy who literally couldn't give a shit about working you know, there. And they you want him to have a staff of four people to run things better? Like, what are you thinking? You know, Peter, you've been missing a lot of work lately. Well, I wouldn't ha- necessarily say I've been missing it. Exactly. <laughs> Well, and then and then he even points out he's like, so you're gonna you're gonna fire Samir and Michael, and give me more money, and then they just kind of laugh like, yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> I mean, and we've talked about this before. I mean, we've both been at companies for a long time where you know we've both seen lots of transition and things things happen at businesses and turnover, turnover, different bosses, all those kinds of things, yeah, buyouts. I mean, there's been lots of. We've both experienced a lot of turmoil, even when we're not like the agents of it. We're just kind of the, uh, you know, the... We're just observers. Exactly. We're just really observers. You know, I mean, we're victims of it, but we're also observers. We're like innocent bystanders in a lot of ways. Well, and then ultimately our jobs, you know, your job changes, you know. I mean, yes. P- Peter went from the guy who hated his job to the guy who didn't give a shit to the guy who now had to manage people and have more responsibility. It's so bizarre. I mean, I love when he explains how he spends his week. That he comes in, he just is, I'm spaced out for at least an an hour. hour, And then it kind of goes on for a while. Then I go to lunch. Then I'm spaced out for at least another hour after that. And, you know, come to think of it, I maybe do 15 minutes of work a week. And it's like, (laughs) wow. You know, this is... You know, and, and and what's interesting about it too is here we are, a lot of us being able to work from home, right? For almost mm-hmm. over ten months now, we've been able to. A lot of us have been able to work from home, and you think about the time you need to spend in an office, and how much of the time in an office does feel like you're just literally occupying space to be clocked in at the right time. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. there are definitely days where you feel a lot more productive because you've got more interesting things to do or just more work to do versus other days where it's like, mm, 
what time is it again? Like, is it my time to space space out now? Or, I mean, it's just, and that's that's those are the kinds of things about this movie that I think eight have aged fine. You know, I mean, I think mm-hmm. those sentiments still feel pretty pretty on target, and it's people, twenty people, one years later. People at my work still stress out over whether their printer fucking works or not, and I'm the guy that has to come and help and fix it. Oh man, you're the tech support guy for that? Do you ever bring a baseball bat when you're helping them with their printers? You know what? I'm going to do that. I have a plastic one at my work. I'm, next time something's broken, I'm going to bring it with me. There you <laughs> just go. In ca- just in case. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just for show. It'll, it'll, it, you know, it'll lighten up the mood. But and, and, and I agree, there are certain things that aren't going to change that that we've actually been kind of cuz I've had I do have the opportunity to work from home a little bit mm-hmm. but I have to go to the office every day and so I'm still kind of living you know with those things but um I don't know for me I actually I really enjoy my job I actually you know there there are terrible things about every job because yeah. it's a job. It's yeah. not fun. It's job. It's yeah. a work. It's work. It's right? called work for a reason. Right. But I really, really, you know, enjoy what I do, you know, from, I, I don't have a problem waking up and going to work you That's know, good. every day. You know, I would much rather, you know, hang out at home and be with my family. But, you know, if I had to, cause I have to have a job, you know, I enjoy it. So the days that are, bad are actually the days when I'm not busy because then mm. I, I that's when I'd rather like space out and not and like just be at home or like the worst thing for me and for anyone who probably enjoys their job is trying to look busy mm. I hate that yeah. I hate having to find work like or do busy work or things that are tedious and monotonous and I think that's kind of where Peter was where he was in this zone where all he was doing is fucking TPS reports and like the same thing and over and over again. And then he just, fe- and he just didn't feel like he was, he was contributing or doing anything worthwhile to him. Yep. You know, it wasn't satisfying. When I saw this movie, I remember kind of thinking of that, like not that you should just not give a shit, but it it's really telling. Like if you're at a point where you are just really fucking unhappy don't just, you know, try and try and do something to make it better. Yeah. I mean, is it, you know, trying to challenge yourself more? Is it finding a new job? Is it changing yeah. your career? I mean, yeah. And ultimately, that's what that's what Peter does is, you know, he he ends up just getting out of the computer, you know, being in an office and wants to work outside. And for some people, that's what makes them happy. Yeah. You know, people who can, you know, they're. There are sacrifices sometimes between, you know, you have to make, but sometimes your happiness is way more worth it. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's, if you're going to get anything out of this movie, it shouldn't be that you should, it should be that you should try and find, you know, your happiness. Yeah. And, and, and cause, cause I mean, he clearly was not happy sitting in traffic at the beginning of the movie. And, and I think that that's the, that's another thing about this movie that, especially where we live. Yeah. A lot of people relate to. Now, this movie was written and directed by Mike Judge, mm-hmm. who at the time was famous for Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. And then he makes this, and this, and then, you know, 10 plus years later, he makes another great show called Silicon Valley yeah. on HBO. And 
in a similar way, it is kind of, in some ways, kind of making fun of and putting out, to, you know, putting to light, like, what working in Silicon Valley is like. Yeah. And at the be- and you kind of see that at the beginning of this movie because he's he's working at a, uh, you know he's he's working in the computer industry like the the traffic thing. Except <laughs> except, and I I rewound this a few times because I wanted to see. They never say where this movie takes place. No, they, they don't. deliberately don't. And I looked at the license plates during that traffic scene, and it's just a nondescript license plate. There was no state listed, so they wanted to make it seem like this could be anywhere. No, totally, like totally. Anywhere in USA is where this movie takes place. Oh, oh, and like the traffic scene could be lot. It could be L.A. It could be Seattle. It could be like anywhere where you've got you, you know, is popular for having terrible traffic. Yeah. You know, and um, because the the general kind of office environment, I think, is pretty common. Yeah. So, you know, they, it's universal. Yeah. It's not like it, and I think one of the things about Silicon Valley is. It's called Silicon Valley because that's where it takes place. And there is something very unique about Silicon Valley. Yeah. But, um, and probably working there. But that's being emulated in lots of other places around the United States and the world now. Yeah. You know, it was probably, it was probably very popular at one point just to, for it to be here. Yeah. But. <sighs> well, so but so yeah, it was the, a little, the Costanza yeah, thing just, well, at the second half of the movie just kills me. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, of the two movies, I mean, I would certainly be more interested in doing another rewatch of Airplane before doing Office Space. I mean, I wanted to rewatch Office Space. It's probably been at least fifteen something years since I'd seen it. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I, as we all know, I mean, I have a long, long list of movies I want to watch. So rewatching movies is is a special treat for me. Um, I actually, um, I actually ended up watching this by myself. Mm. Normally, normally when I do my rewatches, I watch them with my wife, but she didn't want to because she hasn't been going to the office. Mm. So I think she was worried, like it might like make her kind of be like, not necessarily miss it, but it would just seem, cause this whole kind of idea of us, of people not going to work or businesses closing or anything. It's, it's, it's kind of like this movie could almost be kind of triggering. I think think in some ways. It's definitely, I mean, for that respect right now, I mean, it could be unsettling. I mean, especially if you really did enjoy going to the office. I mean, I've enjoyed working from home. So, but well, well, but, and that's, but, but that is the other thing though, is, is for people who really enjoy working from home or, or that have the opportunity to mm-hmm. see, seeing this is just a fucking reminder. It's like, Oh man, I do not miss having to, you know, walk by that person every day or hearing someone on the phone, just a moment, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. all, all the time. For my, my situation is hearing someone many, 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 many feet away from me laughing with like a Julia Roberts cackle all day long. Which oh yeah, is just too much for me. It's like calm down. Yeah. Nothing's that funny. We're at work. Get over yourself. <laughs> Nothing is this funny. Maybe um, they were listening. Hopefully, they were listening to our show. I highly doubt it. Oh. But I mean, it would be a nice idea. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I do. Like I said, I get why this movie made such a splash at the time. And oh yeah. Is still. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I got the DVD, like. It came in this set that looks like a file cabinet, and mm-hmm. it had other 
little goodies inside. Like, I'm pretty sure there was a stapler in the set. There may have been, like, a notepad, and there may have been a couple other little goodies. But, I mean, it does look like a little file cabinet. It's pretty cute. Well, and I I think also when it came out, you know, Beavis and Butthead was so huge in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And... Um, was still airing late at night for a long time. And I think that that, you know, that's where Mike Judge really got his popularity. And then, then King of the Hill, you know, oh, he does, did yeah, King of the Hill. Um, but um, when this came out, it was like, ooh, the live action non-animated movie by Mike Judge. When when that happened, I think. Uh, people were ready uh, to see. People, were, it was, it, there was, there was that excitement. Yeah. Um, I can't 100% decide what my favorite scene is. It's between them beating up the copier in the field or the scene where they're implementing the virus and, like, the overhead shot of, like, Michael and Samir, like, swapping the swapping the disc and then, like, meeting up with Peter and swapping the, di- you know, handing him the disc and, like, that little bit. I, I've always thought that was pretty fun. But other than that, I'm not sure if there's, like, another scene that I think is, like, oh, my God, this is my favorite. Um, the beating up the printer scene, the printer or fax machine, whatever it is, that that scene is pretty good. Because they're, like, driving out, and he's just, like, they're, like, you know, so I stole something. And they're, like, yeah, I guess we all did. No, I stole something else. And then they drive out to the field. Yeah. That's a pretty. I that's mean, a pretty great I think scene. we have all struggled with office equipment at one point or another, and we've wanted to yeah. beat the shit out of it. So yeah, I think I also. Um, I just I really like like the scene when he meets with the Bobs. <laughs> I mean. Oh that, yeah, it's that is just a really good scene. I mean, who who wouldn't love to be that honest? Yeah. I think, and I think Michael Bolton is my favorite oh, character. Michael Bolton's hilarious. I mean, his level of angst and his constant irritation at, you know, being teased about Michael. I mean, especially when the Bobs met him and like, well, especially you must really like Michael Bolton's catalog. It's like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a very soft spot for um, Milton, though. I feel like... Him being pushed around so much is pretty awful. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's so... And I'm glad that he gets to be, like, the victor through all yeah. of it. Because... Yeah. I mean, the, I mean the, 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 the glee that the Bobs had when they said, well, we just fixed the glitch. And that he gets jerked around with, like, the paycheck thing. And it's like, fuck you. I mean, yeah. I worked at a call center for four years in college and I was like Milton in the sense where you never have a desk that lasts more than eight weeks or so. I mean, I worked there a long time. I was one of the longest employed people, but I was part-time and I just kept all my shit in a box and I just, I never got comfortable at any spot because like, "Mm, all right, well, you're going to be changing my team again and I'm going to be relocating again. So I never, they might as well, they might as well just given you a locker. I know. <laughs> like you could... <laughs> I know, but I never had to sit in like a basement with roaches or anything, so that was okay. But still, it's kind of like just that impermanence of like, all right, I guess there's no reason to get comfortable anywhere. It's like going to be moving again. So. I remember the two days I I worked there yes! with you. Yes, it's Christmas time. Yes. Yeah. Tina yeah. Elbiber Contigo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever did. You that. didn't have to I do didn't... Spanish. I I, I had to. I had to. I had to read a script, basically. Oh, yeah. 
I read a script and you activated pagers. It was awesome. This is the late (laughs) nineties. Yes. Yes. It was good temp thing to do for a little bit. Yeah. Doesn't hurt anybody. You got an experience. Yeah. I knew I never wanted to do that ever again. (laughs) I've never wanted to do it again. I've, I'm out of customer service. Thank God. Well, I think I still do some customer service and I probably, you know, because I have to talk to customers, but I did, you know, I did, I think I learned, you know, when you get, when you, I, you know, I think that's the other thing about, you know, whatever job you have and whatnot, you just, you got to try and get whatever you can out of it. Even crappy jobs, sometimes people will pick up even the most minor of skills or, you know, that you never thought you would have, you know, you learn about it. And if anything, you learn experience. I mean, I've worked in a factory. I've worked in, I've done a lot of different things. I've never done food service like Mm. you have. Never did food service at all. And um, You didn't do retail either, right? Never done retail Mm -hmm. either. No retail, no food service. But, you know. You have more hands-on manufacturing experience than I do. I yes. never did that. No, you did not. And, but. But, yeah. I, I will make the argument. I know we both said that we never want to do customer service again. In a lot of ways, every job has an element of a cus- of customer service because there's always somebody yeah. that you need to service in part of a yeah. job. So Whether, it's just even you, if it's just sales or yeah. your boss, exactly. you know, <laughs> you have someone, yeah. you have, everyone has a customer. It's yes. just whether, you know. You it's hopefully just, just don't have yeah. to answer the phone the way that that annoying uh, lady just does. Just a moment. Oh. <laughs> Shoot me now. Just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though. I, I pick up on how people answer the phone, though. That's one of those things that, that I always kind of pick up on at, at any workplace, like especially when it comes to just walking through the reception area yeah. or anything like that. You always kind of pick up on how people answer the phone. I remember working one place where I thought that the person who answered the phone was very, like, cold and cold and rude. But, I mean, it's not my place to say anything like, wow, you could really be a little nicer when you answer the phone. But I, You know what? I think that there... It's funny, because I always think about, like, anytime you have to be in front of a customer, you're kind of putting on a show. That's why I could. That's why I would have like the hardest time. Like I am so admir. I admire teachers so much oh, because their yeah. entire their entire day is not just trying to share knowledge, but it's also putting on a show. Yeah. And, and that's and you know being a salesperson, you know they have to put on a show to try and sell their yeah. widgets and or services, and you know it's just. Um, it just seems so exhausting. <laughs> but, I'm getting tired talking about it. Just t- the idea of all the elements of work. This is a podcast. This isn't supposed to be work. This is fun. Fuck. I do want to point out, I don't think I got to say this about Airplane earlier, but I love that not only does the beginning start with like a riff on Jaws, but we get like disaster music right away. Mm-hmm. Like the whole movie. It's setting it all the up. The tone yeah. from the moment it starts is like, shit's going down. Like, there's yeah. going to be major problems. Yeah. Uh, I think back to, like, the whole subtleness of it, like, even the humor during the credits. Yeah, because I'd much rather talk about Airplane right now. Um, during the opening credits, just you have to be listening. But the argument about whether you park in the red zone or the white zone 
<laughs> that's going on, and then they start bickering, like a husband and wife, and then when, when, the, when the woman's voice is like, just tell me what you, I know what this is really about, you want me to have an abortion, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god. This turns, this took a dark turn really quickly. This is what this is what you get to expect in the next hour and a half. Oh, I did want to mention something. There's something I wanted to talk about earlier. So Matt and I did not fly until like the mid '90s. Like our first oh, yeah. flights were, I believe, your first flight was when we went to Washington in yeah, August '94. We, teena- right? we were teenagers when we first got on planes. I gotta tell you, Matt. I think while I never established like an actual fear of flying you know because we never had an opportunity to really um i think i maybe deep down was i just there was something about like huh what could happen on an airplane i mean i already knew if we were to ever fly i would never order fish (laughs) i mean it seemed like that would be an obvious thing but i'm wondering you know i mean we when we were kids we didn't travel anywhere that was like required air travel you know most of our vacations were all um camping drive drivable yeah everything was drivable but you know part of me almost wonders and i've never really talked to mom or dad about it but like did they have some fears of flying and or did they just not want to bother or were they just not interested in taking us anywhere that we needed to be flown to it's so many questions i don't think it was a matter of interest i think it was just a matter of opportunity or having the resources or whatnot or just you know feeling the desire to i mean i i i don't try and now that i'm a parent i look at all the different factors of what you know the the goods and bads of going on trips and unfortunately my son is old enough now to where we could probably take him lots more places but and he's already we're in a pan but we're in a pandemic, yeah. so <laughs> we, can, uh, we are not. We aren't supposed to be going anywhere. No, <laughs> anywhere. Um, but anyways, I, I I was just thinking about that earlier. It's like the only real experience we had with airplanes or the idea of airplanes was from that movie until we finally went on a flight. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we've saw airplanes travel in other movies but nothing personal i I agree nothing no personal like actual experience in an airport or anything also we saw say anything where she has the death deathly fear of flying where's the ding where you gotta wait for the ding where's the ding yeah I, i i will admit like the first time i flew i was fine i went i flew a couple times by myself where i think i was a little nervous because I like I don't like like roller coasters or anything mm. like that. They make they make me sick. Yeah. So I was I I remember one flight I took where I was like nervous talking the entire time to the woman next to me, <laughs> and I was just like, and I just basically was like, I don't fly that often. I'm just gonna nervous talk to you the whole time. <laughs> and she was like, That's fine. That's so I'm glad she indulged you. Yeah, but ever ever you know. The last few times I've flown, it's been totally fine. It's been lot. It's been fun. It's always the landing and the and the and, takeoff and the and the takeoff yeah. and yeah, it's always the worst part. My last flight was February of last year, and honestly, with the way things are, I just can't even imagine the next time I am getting on an airplane. So, but again, let's hope for the best. Again, we're hoping for the best. 
No fish. No fish. Well, I was, I had a really good time watching. I actually did, I did enjoy watching Office Space. Mm-hmm. I will admit, I tried watching it and I fell asleep, so I had to re, I had to like rewatch it I again. Was, I was, I was updating a <clears throat> spreadsheet while I was watching it. Oh my I God. was. I, it was a very like meta moment. I was updating a movie watching spreadsheet while I was watching Office Space because it was very. So important. you were working while watching a movie. Did it inspire you to do work? Is that why? Yeah, they were up. They were updating code, and I was like, I gotta get this thing updated. And it was. <laughs> it, it just worked out perfect. Man, I did I'm not. Think, I didn't do that while I was watching April. I didn't do that while I was watching Airplane. No. I, I'm starting to think that Office Space is a really evil movie. <laughs> no, no, it was fine. Matt, you know I love a spreadsheet. It was. It's, it was it, fun. It, it, it's incepting you to want to Matt, do things would, like work on a spreadsheet. <laughs> I even, I even said to Jack, I said, you know, we don't have a staff of people that work for us, but even if we did, I would never delegate this out to someone else because this is fun. This, this is something that's fun for me. Gotcha. Well, you know what else has been fun is talking about these movies. Yeah. So, um, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Nancy for joining me and talking about these movies. Thank you, Matt. And um, yeah, well, <laughs> let's do this again. <laughs> Just I'm trying to like, get my mind out of thinking about being in an office or working. So, anyway, I want to thank everyone for listening. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. This has been Fighting Over the VCR. Take care, everybody. Thank you.